Welcome to the Settle the Matter podcast, where we have conversations and even disagreements at times. Grab your warm beverage of choice, take a seat, and let's get ready to settle the matter. Hey, all. Today we've got a really special guest. My guest today is named Rachel Walls. Rachel is a student I met in the coffee area at the college I work at. Rachel has also participated once in a club I'm involved with called the Argument Club. The Argument Club is what you'd kind of imagine it to be. It's a place where we engage in civil arguments about just about any topic anyone wants to bring up. And I mean literally any topic. One of the reasons I invited Rachel on the podcast is because I've been intrigued by Rachel's flair for several things. One of them is creative writing. One of them is a willingness to argue ideas. Another thing is Rachel's devotion to thinking more deeply about things. So we're going to get into it today, and I'm looking forward to having a great conversation. Let's just begin by kind of hearing a little bit from Rachel. Um, Rachel, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you come from, kind of a little bit about your story, anything you want to share? Okay, so I'm Rachel. Um, I am 24, and I've lived in the Reese Frankmuth area pretty much my whole life. Um, graduated from Frankmuth High School. Um, and <laughs> I mean, I went to high school with Greta Van Fleet. Um, the bassist and the drummer, uh, were in my graduating class. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, this is my second time back at Delta. My first degree is an associate of arts that really didn't help me much. So this time I'm going back for, uh, digital film and electronic media. Very cool. Very good. So, Tell me a little bit about kind of like um, your history kind of in how you've kind of discovered who you are as a human being. Like, I mean, the obvious uh, thing, one of the reasons I had you in the podcast is you're just a great communicator. You've got a lot of interesting ideas. I'm also intrigued by the fact that you have just a really different history in terms of because you're queer and also because you come from a family that tends to be more conservative. Is that correct? Yes. Tell me a little bit about that kind of journey and kind of like what that's been like. How has that shaped you? How has that formed you? Well, um, so I am a trans woman. So I've been transitioning for about four years now. Um, And I first realized probably about five years ago. um, I mean, I kind of had an inkling of an idea. I mean... Looking back, it's kind of obvious, the signs, like, but it didn't really, it it took a long time to really connect those pieces and realize that my way of thinking about things wasn't the typical way that people thought about things. Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, I always, you know, I always desired to be a woman, like, is one of my earliest memories is thinking, I want to be pretty like my mom. Hmm. And, um... You know, I would be fascinated by, like, makeup and heels and all that. And, um, well, I didn't realize that, you know, somebody who's confident in their identity as a male 
doesn't really think about things that way. They're not like, oh, I wish I was a woman. They're more like, eh, I'm fine being a boy. And they don't really think about that sort of thing. And I definitely thought about wanting to be a woman. And, you know, so I talked with therapists. And I mean, I've been on a regimen of, um, so I take estrogen pills and a testosterone blocker. And I mean, it didn't fix all my problems. It can't. But sure. it does help me feel more complete in a way, if that makes sense. It felt like there was at least one part of the puzzle that was filled in. So like, how did your, how did the people around you respond to this? What was the, whatever you're willing to share, I don't want to put people on the spot, but how, how, how has it been as you've kind of like went down this journey? Um, as far as how, how it's affected your interaction with society, other people in your family, friends, and you know, whatever you're willing to share about that. Okay. Um, fair enough. So most people that really mattered to me, you know, it just, it was whatever Mm -hmm. it was, you know, it was something that it, it, some people it caused friction, but they came around Mm -hmm. and other people, I just flat out don't speak to anymore. And, you know, I like, I really don't have a lot of high school connections anymore, both because I wasn't, I wasn't exactly Miss Popular in high school, to be fair, but also just a lot of people just don't really talk to me. My, and yeah, as he touched on my, um, my hometown is pretty conservative and, uh, my family is pretty conservative. And so it definitely alienated me to a degree, but I think the people that really mattered were the ones that stuck with me. And I think, you know, those, those are the people that you want around if they don't, accept you because you're trans or gay or whatever um were they worth having in your life in the first place mm-hmm. you know and i mean it's it's definitely been a journey and it's it's been hard but in the long run i think it was worth it because i feel like myself i People talk about transition like it's a choice. And I mean, to a degree it is. It's a choice to start transitioning. But I don't think I'd be here today if I didn't transition. Hmm. What do you mean by that? Do you mean that you're not sure that you would have had a a will to live? Is that what you meant by that? And I mean, to a degree, yes. I've I've definitely struggled with with, uh, suicidal ideation at... Mm -hmm. At certain points in my life, um, you know, and I mean, I've managed to pull through it every time, but definitely, um, both because of that and other shit in my life, um, it, it's definitely something that I've struggled with on and off, but Mm -hmm. being trans isn't the primary purpose. If anything, the primary thing was the people in my life who didn't want to accept me, but as I've, you know, gotten older and had more experience, it's like, did I really need them to accept me? Like, they didn't, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. Complete sense. 
So as a queer trans person, you know, as you've navigated this, what groups or ideas are just hard for you to handle? And what about, what about those groups and those people drives you nuts? Like it could be groups or ideas, pe- you know, people groups, I- you know, ideological principles. What are some of the things that just drive you crazy and make it really hard for you to kind of interact with that group? Well, um, there's a couple different groups that kind of drive me at least a little crazy. I'll start at the lower end of the scale. Um, a lot. I've noticed this. It's kind of interesting. A lot of cis men will insist as in non-trans. Um, sure. I, a lot of cis men will kind of ignore me or ignore my opinion or just not talk to me. Like I'll go take my car to the shop or whatever and for like an oil change or whatnot. And sometimes I won't even get a response. I've had men, you know, explain my job to me. It's like, oh, you know, you need to do this. And it's like, thank you. I've been doing this for two years. Like, I, I, I think I have an idea of what I'm doing, you know. Um, I mean, but at the end of the day, that's, that's pretty small stuff. Um, and I mean, then, of course, obviously, I have my own conflicts with, um, with largely with organized religion and I don't really have a problem with people having their own beliefs. Mm-hmm. What I have a problem with is people who use their religion to hate other people. And, you know, they believe that they're righteous because they're backed by the word of God. And then they use that word of God to spread hate to people when if you've actually read the Bible, it's like Jesus was not about that. Like, Mm -hmm. and you know, and it's not all, and it's not always Christians either. I mean, you know, there, there are other religions and, and of course the Republican party at large, you know, it's uh, since Trump, they've, it's just completely gone down this alt-right rabbit hole. The people who were just, milquetoast republicans are now they're rhinos is they're republican right. in name only and anyone else is you know now it's all just a party of wackaloons basically and it scares the shit out of me seeing all the stuff that they vote for in other states trying to pass you know all these bans on trans people and drag and uh and just queer people in general and it terrifies me knowing that you know, if an election goes the wrong way, either in Michigan or nationally, I could be in jeopardy. Like, that scares me so, so bad. And, um, you know, and it's not that they necessarily, I don't know. No, I get that. I mean, so, so your primary your primary issue isn't so much the ideas that people hold. It's more the fact that they're trying to enforce in almost like a violent and hateful way kind of their beliefs. Exactly. And kind of manipulate society to maybe oppress and abuse people who don't hold the same moral opinions they do. Is that is, is that a good summary of what you're saying? I'd, I'd say On that's... On some level. I'd say that's accurate. Yeah. Yeah, because you, you know that I'm a person of faith. I've mentioned it before. And mm-hmm. we don't... I thought I think we've had great conversations. I don't... I completely agree with you that, 
I mean, personally, I believe that the Trump phenomena is really unfortunate mm-hmm. in general. Um, and I'm not anti him as a human being because I'm not really anti human beings, but mm-hmm. I'm anti the religious right movement for the most part, even though I consider myself a person of faith because I don't, I think there is a lot of, uh, I question the motives of the movement, even if there's some of the ideas that I agree with. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I think it was Barry Goldwater who he mentioned something along the lines and he was he was a Republican, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he had this thing where he's like, um, if you guys tie yourself to the evangelicals, like it's not going to end well. And 50 some odd years later, and it's not looking too hot because they've tied themselves. There is that their voters believe that they're voting with the word of God, with God's backing, basically, you know, it's kind of interesting seeing um i remember when i was a kid um my dad told me that like obama was the antichrist <laughs> wow okay yeah um my dad's not super religious but he definitely um definitely more uh libertarian trump kind of and most of my family is and um but i remember hearing that obama was the antichrist and he was a muslim and all this stuff but it's really interesting is Trump has a lot more parallels to the Antichrist or the beast because in the Bible there actually is no Antichrist. It's the beast. But Trump actually fits it a hell of a lot more than Obama ever did. Is, right. And see, the the devil or the beast or the Antichrist or whatever the hell you want to call it, it's not going to be somebody you hate. It's going to be somebody who's telling you everything you want to hear. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, there's a lot of, I mean, I've been reading uh, religious works. I was a philosophy major. It was my first degree, and I've been reading religious works. And because I'm a Christian, I've read the Bible significantly. And I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that misinterpret or use the Bible as a weapon. Mm -hmm. I think it does say controversial things. And you and I have had a conversation like, um, we don't share the same moral convictions about human sexuality or gender identity. We Mm -hmm. just don't share those convictions, those same convictions. But... A question I'm interested in from you is how can how could you and I and we have kind of had some of these conversations at Argument Club and other places how can we disagree and have dialogue if we don't agree on human sexuality or don't agree on gender identity kind of definitions or things how can we have a dialogue without me coming off as cruel or if it's not me someone else coming off as cruel or unloving to you what would that look like to me, that would be asking questions if you don't understand something. So instead of, you know, like, I consider myself a lesbian. And some people are like, oh, you can't be a lesbian because you're trans. Or, oh, wouldn't that just make you straight with extra steps? Like, you're just a straight guy with extra steps. When, you know, but if you're asking the questions respectfully, like, why, like, say, for this example... Why do you identify as a lesbian? I would con- I would say because I am a trans woman. I am a woman. I am only attracted to women. I've tried dating men. I've tried all that. And it just, I'm not. It, I'm not interested in men at all. Um, yeah. So question asking and, is big to you. Just trying yep, to listen ask, for understanding first. Yes. Asking questions is huge. And also respecting what I say, even if you don't necessarily believe it, like if I tell you I'm a woman 
don't try to tell me that, oh, you're a man, you're, you're just a man, you know, like, that's neither here or there, like, just, you know, even if you don't necessarily believe it, like, what is the harm in, you know, people call boats she, but I want to be called she, I ask to be called she, and that's a problem, like, I don't get it. Right. What if somebody what if somebody said it this way to you? And I'm just trying to part of the whole podcast is to try to help people how to communicate who don't agree. So I, this is a curious question to me. What if I said something like this, Rachel, um, I'm happy using your your name, Rachel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I because of my religious convictions, I don't feel super comfortable using your preferred pronoun, but I won't make a point to do that because I want to out of respect for you as a human being. Is that OK? How would you feel about that? If they just said, because of my personal convictions at this time, or my personal faith-based convictions, or just my personal convictions based upon something else, is that something they have the freedom to do as long as they're going to treat you with kindness and respect, and they're not going to make a point to to offend you? What do you think? If, but see, here's the thing, is, um, is if somebody is even politely disagreeing, it... It, it feels like I'm being disrespected because, you know, would you, if you knew a guy and, you know, just a cisgender guy mm-hmm. and, you know, you had disagreements with him, you wouldn't start calling him she, would you? It's like, it's just basic human dignity is, you know, this is who I am. This is, please respect that. And, you know, if. And if you don't want to respect that, that's fine. But it don't blame me when I don't want to talk to you or hang out with you. Sure. You know? Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out a way to dialogue because when you talk about um, use of gender pronouns, that's obviously a massive debate right now. And then, of course, there's the, also the debate on some people who go to the extreme of not even using um, a, uh, a preferred name. You know what I mean? Or a gender identity. So so there's all kinds of debate. And so I'm just trying to figure out how do we have that conversation? How do we live in respect? Because there's more at stake um, from some people's perspective than, than just uh, I'm using what you prefer me to use. There's also people who have an understanding of language that says, I want to be true to language. I don't want language to be redefined unless we agree upon it or unless I agree upon it. So there's well, some debate about how should we allow language to change? Should we allow things? So well, see that's the thing is language is constantly evolving. It's constantly evolving. Look at the internet. You know, it's like there's a new slang term pretty much every week, and words will fall off and get added again. And you know, it's kind of funny. You can barely keep up with the lingo because it's like one day they're they're saying it's lit, and now there's you know, and now it has riz or whatever. Right. You know, it, it's language is constantly evolving and people are like, oh, you can't use singular they. You can't, you know, for non-binary people, so, some people use the they pronoun and some people get upset about that as, oh, you can't use singular they, except Shakespeare was using singular they in his plays. Sure. Like language is this constantly evolving thing. And I think that inclusivity and respecting other people is really it's a net gain is just by respecting other people you know they're more willing they're more inclined to show you respect and you know the more respect in the world and more you know 
politeness and dignity and all that, the more the more good we put out into the world is, you know, that's a net good. And, you know, that's that's really what we should be striving for and not putting each other down and debating each other and hating each other and fighting over, oh, you did this and it's your fault. You did this and it's my fault. I did this and it's my fault. It's we all need to just, you know, we need to be able to respect one another, even if we don't always agree. Right. And that's why I'm trying to create like a lingo on how do we how do we have that conversation? Because I think realistically, there's going to be a portion of the population that is going to be on board with the change in the the use of pronouns. There's going to be a portion of the population that's not okay with that. I mean, from my faith perspective, you know, I I have a different view on human sexuality and gender identity. But to me, it doesn't have a lot of bearing on whether or not I have a good relationship with someone unless if I state my conviction about it, they choose to not you know, be friends with me, then I don't have a choice. Right. So all I can really do is if I have a, any kind of conviction, it may not be a faith. Like if I think it's wrong to, I don't know, uh, download pirate music, pirate, you know, to, to, uh, pirate music online or to, or Mm -hmm. to get into one of the, the torrents and and download uh, movies illegally. Let's say I just believe that's wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so I should be able to, I feel like I should be able to share that in a way that I can still have a dialogue with someone. I get that I, a lot of times, like if you'll say something to me that's anti, say, Jesus, because I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. there's like an initial feeling that I get that's like, that kind of offends me. You know what I yeah. mean? Just a little bit, because it's and, natural. And I understand. I mean, you know, I was raised Christian, but like, I, I and I don't have, I really don't have a problem with Jesus. I just don't necessarily believe that he is my one and only savior and that all my problems can be solved by praying to him, you know? And like, there are some people that use their religion, you know, to justify hatred. So many wars have been started in the name of God. It's ridiculous. Um, You know, there are people who use it for profit. Like I'm wearing death spiritual healing right now which literally features a preacher with dollar bills <laughs> sticking it. out of his pocket and he's faith healing a, a, a terminal cancer patient and he's doing the put the hands on him and like oh we're gonna be you know yeah. it's you know so i have my problems with the church and i have the problems with the fact that it's organized in the way that it is but I don't have a problem with somebody who just happens to believe in, you know, in Jesus or that, you know, these, some of these ideas, like I can get behind love thy neighbor and like, um, you know, uh, this love and generosity, that's the stuff that Christianity should be about. And it ends up not being about that for far too many people. No, Christ- it, it's yeah. like they don't even read the book. It's like they just are a cherry picket to hate on people that they don't like. Now, Christianity also does, to be fair um, to my my kind of thinking on this, is that Christianity does have an aspect to it where, I mean, Christianity does hold up certain moral standards. The Bible does hold up certain things as moral and immoral. I mean, on the extreme, it holds up murder is wrong. Mm-hmm. Even on the low end, it holds up like gossip is wrong. Does that make sense? Like everybody yeah. gossips for the most part. Not everybody murders, right? I mean... But everybody yeah. gossips. And, the, the, I mean, the Christian ethic says gossip is destructive, 
right? Slandering people, gossiping behind their back. And I think we most of us agree on that. But when it comes to human sexuality, like it does, you know, Christianity in general or the Bible in general does kind of draw some lines on how sex is supposed to be manifested, how gender identity is supposed to be manifested. That can be argued. You know what I mean? People argue about that. But Mm -hmm. different people are going to have different convictions on that. Um, I've always found that like I gravitate toward people I don't agree with. Like I tend to, you, I mean, maybe you've noticed that at Delta College. Like I, I enjoy being around people that are very different, have different worldviews and different ideologies. And I'm with you completely on this idea. The way that religion is set up in America, whether it's evangelical Christianity or other religious movements, is very almost compartmentalized and separatistic a lot of times. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's very us, them, I agree, where I agree with you 100% is that Jesus was not a separatistic individual. Yeah, no. Where I probably, where I probably would push back a little bit on you is, is just in the one point, Jesus did promote morality and justice in specific ways. You know, so like... But at the same time, he also said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone and judge not lest ye be judged. Is So this idea of don't start pointing fingers at what that guy did, worry about what you did first. Yeah, I agree with that. Worry about what you did first. But he did say to the woman, like, I think it like that. that's a great story to me because it's like the woman caught in adultery, right? It says there was a woman caught in the act of adultery and they're about to stone her, right? This is like a great, great story for me because it's like... She's going to get stoned. Jesus comes in and says, those of you without sin cast the first stone. And one of the big obvious questions of that story is, if she was caught in the act of adultery, shouldn't the man also be there? Yeah. Right? Like, like, but, he, but he apparently wasn't. So it, it kind of reeks of a cover-up, right? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of yeah, disproportionate. A... And that, that's another one of my big gripes with um, Christianity is... Um, this very um this sort of enforced misogyny if you will and like sure not all christianity is misogynistic and there are women who have had powerful roles in the bible like mary obviously but here's the thing is that when paul is saying women be silent and obedient to your husbands when eve gets you know hit with all this shit for the for the uh fall of man like, you know, it's, it's just, it feels like it was enforcing these roles on society that shouldn't be there, if you will. Like, yeah, like I am just, I, I transitioning. That's one of the things I noticed is just how much of a raw deal that women get in general, cis or trans. And, you know, it's, it's kind of heartbreaking to me. Mm-hmm. And I, <sighs> yeah, no, I get it. I mean, I think it's, it's, uh, uh, one thing that's true about Jesus is Christianity in general and, and should be true of us as human beings in general is that, even people that he disagreed with, even people that he viewed maybe as not up to a moral standard, it didn't didn't really matter. Well, he yeah, I mean, he had tremendous love. I mean, even the 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 leaders of the time who were opposing him, trying to kill him, mm-hmm. um, he he exercises a tremendous amount of compassion for them, and 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 yeah. is, is very patient with them. But 
I mean, this is where this is where I kind of like I wonder how do we navigate in this world where we are because Jesus also barked back at people sometimes too. He oh, chewed yeah. them out sometimes. He flipped over the tables people, when they were being greedy. He said, "You're being greedy for money in in the in the temple." For get, real, get out of here. Yeah, I, I find it really funny that you know these capitalists have kind of used the word of Jesus because Jesus said to the rich man, "You know, go and sell all that you have have and give the money to the poor." Like he he was not a huge fan of being this rich greedy asshole. He, that that was not Jesus. Like and. There, there was some comic strip or something called Supply Side Jesus that's really interesting. It's basically how the Republicans picture Jesus, and it's kind of it's it's really kind of a fun read because it's just so contradictory to what Jesus actually said. Yep. And you know, and even then, Jesus had a ton of compassion for people. You know, for Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Um, you know, like. He'd have every right to be like, all right, smite them bastards. Like <laughs> Yeah. But he also but he also said things like, uh, which is the more controversial side of it, is not one jot or tittle will pass away from the law. So like he upheld the law too, even though he didn't uphold the um the style of enforcement and the hatred that and the separatism and the condemnation and kind of like the arrogance. Mm-hmm. And so, so like, I think Jesus was this perfect blend of, my opinion is, is he was this perfect blend of grace and truth. Like, he cared about truth, he cared about morals, he cared about justice, but he also defended the outcast, he defended, you know what I mean? Like, he had this, oh, like, yeah. you know. he, he was both, like, he was fiery, but gentle. He was, like, truthful, but also, like, hey, you're not perfect, I still love you. Mm-hmm. Or we all make, everyone's making mistakes around here. I'm not going to condemn you for it. But I also want you to change. So I think that that's the, the, the catch. So like in, in, the, in the conversation we're having, like to me, the most important thing in my interaction with you or, or another student or my wife or a random person I meet is that I am, as a Christian, my primary thing in my relationship with you is to show you love and kindness. Mm-hmm. Like that's my primary role. But I also need to be honest about what I believe. So, so uh, I need to sh- I share it. That doesn't imply that I share it all the time or that I'm using it as some sort of like oh, weapon. Yeah, yeah it's sense? not like it's not like you're telling me. But your soul can be saved if you find Jesus. Like you're 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 not you're not preaching at me. You're giving me a frank discussion of your beliefs, and I appreciate that. Is yeah. you know. Because I, like I said, I kind of, I kind of grew up in the church. I mean, I'm a confirmed Lutheran. I have a godchild. Um, but you know, pretty much when I came out, I really wasn't accepted in the church anymore. Um, you know, like I used to volunteer and help my aunt. I don't do any of that anymore. The closest I get is I burn CDs for her at Christmas for her Christmas program or vacation Bible school or whatever. I don't really get involved with, you know, actively helping anymore. And she doesn't even ask. Like, I just know that I'm not and I'm pretty sure my dead name is still in their church bulletin because they have like everyone's birthday. And my dead name is the name that I was, you know, baptized under. So that's what they have. And so, yeah, I just I don't really go back to church. 
And for the hearers here that don't understand that term, can you just explain what a dead name is? So I know what it is, but yeah, I think so, some, some may not know what that is. So just just to clarify, a dead name is the name is for a trans person the name that they were assigned at birth. Um, you know, and typically that's not a name that they want to disclose. So please don't ask for it. Like it 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 feels very disrespectful because it doesn't represent who we are now. It, you know, it represents who we were perhaps, but it doesn't really, that's not who we are now. That's not, my dead name is not me right now. I am Rachel. I'm not my dead name. Uh, You know, my dead name, I associate with a person that feels in a way it's like, the my male persona was like a mask like a mask that I couldn't really take off and didn't even realize I was wearing until until I finally had the realization that oh I'm not this person I'm not a boy I am a woman I am Rachel that is me now, even though, like, I think as a Christian, we're going to have a different view on, on gender identity, which I've already stated we have a different view, which is fine. I think that we should, as as Christians or followers of, of Jesus, we should we should be able to relate to what you just said in, in this way, that even in, in the identities of some of the Old Testament saints, quote-unquote, uh, when they got a new identity in their faith, God changed their name. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Because because yeah. you know he we changed don't... Abraham's name, Abram's name to Abraham. He changed you know the he sur- changed. I think it's Sarabi to Sarah or something like that. Yep, he changed names. I mean, so I think it's it's uh, we can at least relate to the idea that when you, mm-hmm. even though we may not agree with your view of gender identity, um, we can understand and relate to the emotional side of hey, this is who I once was. Mm-hmm. This is how now I view myself now. Because in Christianity, I think that there, for me, I think I've had a change in identity mm-hmm. compared to what I was before I believed. Oh, yeah. That's that's a view that I hold is that there's, I'm a new, a lot of things are well, new about how I conceive of myself, well, yeah, the a world. A lot of people talk about born again Christianity and this, you know, so in a way that's almost kind of, but instead of Christianity, you know, it's, it's being trans and it openly accepting that I am queer and, you know, that I am a lesbian, that I'm trans, that, um, you know, and I mean, I've kind of explored religion on and off since, since coming out. Um, you know, I didn't think atheism quite fit. And so for a minute I called myself agnostic. I looked at different churches. I looked at, uh, I looked at some more jokey ones like, uh, dudeism, which is based on the big Lebowski, um, the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, which yeah, is it. just yeah. it, it's just goofiness. Um, I looked at two different branches of Satanism, and I was highly disappointed with both because the Satanic Temple is basically just atheism that's gone political and puts up Satan statues to mess with evangelicals. There, and then the the Church of Satan started by Anton LaVey, it's like he read Aleister Crowley and Ayn Rand and <laughs> just combined them. And it's it's like, I, I, I don't care for it. Um, what I ended up kind of falling into is this, um, 
this Wicca, witchcraft, neo-pagan movement and looking into that. And I mean, I'm not like super strict on that. Like I'm not, like I read tarot cards and stuff and like I have a crystal ball and a wand and, you know, some of the goofy stuff. But, you know, I'm not like hardcore into it. Like, I mean, I barely, I check my horoscope when I'm drinking my coffee in the morning, I kind of chuckle about it and I move on with my day. I'm not like, oh, the stars have di- dictated right. what my path forward is for today. And I mean, you know, sometimes I play it up, if, especially if I'm doing tarot readings for other people. I'll be like, in the cards, I find that you're, you know, it, it's just goofiness. But, you know, and I, I like the idea of divine femininity because in Christianity, it divinity is masculine there's not really this feminine divinity sure and so it kind of resonates with me this idea of the goddess and you know uh that divine feminine and you know one of the older lesbian symbols is the labrys which is a two-headed axe and it was used by feminists, it was used by neo-pagans, and it was used by lesbians. And it just kind of... So those all kind of mash together. I mean, you know, you go on Tinder as a lesbian for like five minutes and you will find at least one person into astrology. <laughs> so, you know, those, those all kind of closely tie into one another. And because it was just kind of the symbol of the matriarchy and the goddess. Yeah. And, you know, and it all comes from this the greeks on crete which they associated it with goddesses they associated it with the amazons and i mean even the term lesbian that comes from sappho of lesbos who was a poet and she happened to be a queer woman and so and her poetry managed to survive into the modern day not all of it but some of it and so when we say sapphic or lesbian we're calling all the way back to ancient greece sure so do you think that, like, you've mentioned that you recognize differences between uh, the narratives of Jesus or the Bible and the, the way that the church functions today? You oh, yeah. recognize some cha- differences there, for sure, yeah. And then, so the question I have for you, and this is more of a challenging question. This is me challenging you. Does that okay. make sense? Okay. Is do you think that you could, if you, do you think it's possible that, you could see Jesus differently outside the context. Like you could, you could give a, let me put it this way. We put it up, try to put it in a provocative way. So it sparks some discussion. Do you think that there's a possibility that you could re-educate yourself about Jesus, get a different view of who Jesus is than you view the, the church world portrays and re rethink about Jesus in a different context. Well, is I've, that something you, you I, I think have, you could accomplish? I have kind of thought about Jesus more in a different context from the church. And, you know, like I've said, um, I don't necessarily believe he was my savior, but I do believe that he was a great teacher. And I do believe he had a lot of smart things to say. I don't necessarily agree with everything he had to say, but I do think he had a lot of good things to mm-hmm. say. Um, you know, it's kind of similar with like, um, with like Buddha is, you know, he was this great teacher who had a lot of great things to say. And some people take his word as literally gospel, but I don't necessarily believe that way. And, you know, it's like, I do try to think about, you know, and I mean, I don't know. I just don't necessarily buy that. Like, oh, 
my version of God or your version or anyone's version is absolute. For all we know, we die and then God is just a giant chicken. Like, mm-hmm. we, we, we have no way of knowing really at this point. And, you know, it's like I don't really care what way someone believes, you know, as long as they're not using it as a weapon against somebody. Sure. Yeah, and obviously we come, I mean, I obviously believe Jesus is the Savior, those kinds of things. I believe that he was an appearance of deity. So that's that's a difference we have. But mm-hmm. um, I'm just curious on kind of how you interact with the differences between the narratives about Jesus and kind of like the popular American narratives, because they're very, they can be different, right? There's intersections to them, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, the narrative, you know, the, the, the church community you grew up in, there's probably intersections in what they believe that are accurate to what Jesus thought. And there's probably things that they're promoting and the ways Mm -hmm. that they're acting that are not accurate, probably, which is true of any human being too. Oh yeah. Like I'm sure sure I'm not acting according to even the things I believe. I'm sure there's areas where I'm a hypocrite as well. Yeah. And I mean, you know, even Christianity is not a monolith. There's lots of different sects within it. I mean, hell in my town, I think there was a Methodist church. There was a Lutheran church, which I was a Lutheran and there was a Catholic um, I'm pretty sure there was also a Lutheran school in Frankmuth and St. Lawrence or something like that. I didn't go to that. And they, and I think they had like a Baptist and I think there is like a synagogue or something. I don't know. There's tons um, of, yeah, denominations. Yeah there's, a, there's, yeah. there's a lot of different denominations, you know, there's, it, it, so I don't think necessarily anyone can have, uh, one, hundred percent this is the truth even though the bible kind of portrays this idea of christianity as the hundred percent truth but there's so many different sects that somebody's got to be right is it the episcopalians i don't know maybe yeah we'll 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 find out even though i think they're all wrong and i think denominations confuse the picture in a way because like in a sense like there is kind of a an orthodoxy to Christianity that's like, like you know, there's like there's between a Baptist and a Lutheran, for example. Even though Baptists and Lutherans may make a big deal out of it, mm-hmm. there is an orthodox body that they agree upon. You know, oh yeah, oftentimes, you know, right? there, in terms of like is... a locus, we don't have full agreement, but we do have large agreement on big topics most most well, of the time. Yeah, I mean, the general broad strokes of you know this holy trinity of God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. The idea that Jesus is the Savior, the um, the Ten Commandments, those are kind of universal. But then there's a lot of other stuff that may or may not be universal. Like the Calvinists believe in predestination, yeah. and the Catholics pray to saints, and you know, so they so we all have sort of different beliefs within that system. Now, if if you had a sense, even outside of Christianity, if you had a sense that there was a God, and that God. Um, asked you to change specific things about your life, like your sexuality, like being trans. If you had a sense of that happening, how would that, how does that affect your view of God? Like how much do you hold on to that reality in your life? I'm just curious about that. Like, for example, like I'm willing to change my real basic things, right? I'm willing to change my career. Mm-hmm. Not a big deal, right? That's That's not like something that's, you know, to me, deeply important is my career. Like if Mm -hmm. I found a note, if my job, if I got fired here at Delta College and I I just go, okay, I got fired. I need to go do something else, right? So that's that's not a hard thing. Now, what would be hard for me to change personally is my faith in Jesus. Like it'd be very hard for me to change my Christian faith. That's something to me that's deep, deep, deep there. Now, 
So the question is, if God, if you became convinced that there was a creator and was a deity, um, and that deity was over you in a sense, you know, they're obviously more powerful, so on and so forth, would it be difficult for you to reconsider some of the major tenets of your identity? Would that be difficult? Would it be possible? What do you think? Would it be possible? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I... I do have sort of my own view of divinity and religion and faith, but mine is less based in this idea of a God above or whatever. It Mine is more the God and goddess within and this idea of connecting with nature. And they don't, and that sort of thing, it's about you and doing, it's not about, oh, you have to believe this certain way or you're going to hell. It's more like just live your life, don't don't mess with other people, and you're probably doing okay. And that that is the kind of God or goddess or whatever divine being that I want to believe in. I don't want, a, if a God is demanding that, oh, I change everything about myself, that's not, that's not someone I'm worth, that I think is worth believing in. So how do you mitigate against the idea then of God being um, a deity that you've kind because you said you don't, that's the kind of God you want to believe in. That's the kind of God you want to worship or if you just not worship, believe in. Um, how do you mitigate against that being kind of a God of your own making? Maybe not the real God. So like well, if you're saying. how do I know that I, how do I know that there is an absolute God as opposed to a God of my own making? I mean, we have no proof in one way or another if there is a God or multiple gods or, you know, or no God at all. We have no quantifiable way to tell that. Right. We don't, from almost any metaphysical principle, would you agree, we don't really have proof it exists in the scientific sense. Mm-hmm. And I think... But we can have evidence. We can have some manner of evidence. It's just not ironclad, physical, I can go measure God. He's. I know. mean, I think, I think ultimately religion is an experience of a self. It's not, it, it's not something that, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily one person ruling over everybody telling them exactly what they have to do i think it's something that's for you it's not necessarily this idea of oh everyone has to do what i say or else they will be smited and, you know it's it's more like you know it's something that people have to evaluate and decide for themselves sure and you know and and i kind of that's kind of how i feel in a way about my gender is is I was aware to a degree that I was trans, but I didn't really recognize and put those feelings together until I was older and explored the feelings. Like I met I met this guy playing a video game, Overwatch, and he told me, "Hey, I'm a trans guy," and I was like, "I'm happy for you, but I don't get why anyone would want to be a guy." And, you know, and we kind of talked through it and he helped me understand, you know, it wasn't like he was like, oh, you're trans. Like, in fact, if anything, I was the one who was finally like, ah, so hey, I think I might actually be a little trans. Sure. And, you know, it was, it wasn't the idea that it wasn't like he implanted it in me or anything. Like people have this idea that, oh, they're going to groom our kids to the woke ideology. It's like, 
no, that's that's not how it works. <laughs> and you know, it was a journey of self-discovery that I decided to take and my evaluation and I realized, you know, I my identity is that of a woman. I am a woman. I'm not a guy as much as I tried to be. I cuz I did try and you know, I was <laughs> I don't want to get too deep into the trauma dump, but um, I definitely, I was mocked in a lot of ways for not being masculine enough and kind of torn down for that. And I struggled with that for a long time is I'm not masculine enough. Why am I not masculine enough? And I, you know, tried to overcompensate. And now, you know, I, now I've accepted that I'm a woman and I add some masculine elements to my wardrobe, but at the, um, you know, for the most part, I consider myself feminine and, you know, I, I call, I connect a lot more with women's experiences than I do with men's. And, you know, I don't think anyone's a hundred percent masculine or feminine, you know, everyone, it, Everyone is a little masculine or a little feminine to a degree. I don't think you can be 100%. You know, that's how you get down the the Andrew Tate, you know, the Andrew Tate, Jordan Peterson bullshit. <laughs> yeah, so now on a lighter note, some of the lighter note questions I had just in our conversations we've had in the past is, <sighs> and just for the record, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus. I know we don't see eye eye on these things, but I, I I just do want to say that I've appreciated getting to know you, you know, and I I find you to be a very interesting person and I enjoy our conversations. And, um, uh, I kind of like that we have little subtle banter about some disagreements, whether it's disagreements about politics or religion or faith or Jesus or eternal life or God or whatever else. But yeah, we're not, we're not devolving into a screaming match of you're stupid. Well, no, you're stupid. Like, you know, and and I do appreciate that is being able to talk on a civil level because I can get pretty heated with people and especially if they're really being, especially if they're being little dill holes. So, yeah. so on a lighter note, um, you're really into metal. Oh right? yeah. You're really into metal. Like one of the yeah. things about Rachel that I found kind of interesting is that <laughs> Rachel always has a metal t-shirt on pretty much every, every day. I think it's pretty, pretty much, much a yeah. black metal t-shirt whether it's slayer yeah or what, what's this band now death so okay. yeah i i kind of went into it earlier is it's spiritual healing and it's kind of like one of the first death metal bands uh the singer guitarist chuck schuldiner he he was like the death metal pioneer he died really really young but he put out like seven albums with this band death and he was the only constant member and it is one of my favorite bands of all time. And, you know, uh, I mean, I love heavy metal and just it's sort of uh, F you to the establishment. Um, now, that's I, I want to I don't want to cut you off there, but that's that's what's interesting to me about your your fascination with death metal. I'm not a death metal guy. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. it's too much for me. It's just too dark. It's oh, yeah, too, for and for sure. most people, it is. And I'm not saying it's it's cool that you're into it. It's fine. But I'm just saying it's for me. But what I'm intrigued by and I think where we've kind of resonated is that you are down with the man a little bit. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. down with the establishment. And even though, you know, I'm 
we're maybe not wanting to kick down the same establishments all the time, but I can mm-hmm. recognize the idea that like, yeah, like I struggle a lot of times with the way that humans organize themselves and just kind of like perpetuate injustice and oppression and, and all kinds of things. I think that's a real thing in society. Um, but just, just, just curious, like, and you kind of already started to touch on it and I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just had to jump in there, yep. but just asking the question of what, makes you so into metal like we had the conversation one time i didn't even know that norwegian death metal existed okay and well I was, there that's norwegian <laughs> black metal yeah black but. metal sorry i was talking to to rachel one day and she's telling me about how this is this is the this is the metal that is wrong yeah. <laughs> this is the metal that's yeah. wrong like like this is like over the top like like people died, churches got burned. It is some crazy shit. Um, there is a there is a biopic on it called Lords of Chaos, which kind of goes into it in this band Mayhem, where like the lead singer shot himself, the guitarist took pictures of it and used it for a bootleg. The bassist That's started crazy. burning churches, and then the bassist stabbed the guitarist to death. Like it yeah, is, just, it is some crazy. It's straight shit. evil. Yeah, it's but just see. Evil. But see, that is that is the exception to the rule. And most metal is just, you know, it's having fun. It's, you know, it's making loud-ass music with a bunch of guitars, you know, guitars, drum, bass, and, you know, and spooky vocals and lyrics about whatever the hell. And, you know, sometimes it's politics, sometimes it's just gore, and, you know, that's more death metal. And it, it's really whatever the singer wants to sing about. And I, I just, I love how it sounds. I love the aesthetic. I mean, you know, the the album art in heavy metal is like so cool. And you can get stuff that's like super bloody and gory and blood and guts everywhere. Or you can get like a super spooky looking devil. Or you can have like a cool dude with a sword and... You know, and he's got a babe on his arm or whatever the hell. And, I mean, I grew up listening to it from my dad. You know, my dad had Metallica and Judas Priest and Megadeth and those sort of bands on CD. And I kind of picked it up from him. And I was like, oh, damn, Rob Zombie, this is some cool shit. And, you know, and I kind of explored it on my own and got into a lot of my own favorite bands. And so we kind of commiserate on that. And I mean, there's just, there's nothing quite like it. The closest you get is punk rock. And even that isn't too much different from metal. I mean, really the difference is in the technique in, you know, punk is more, you know, punk, it doesn't matter how bad you play in punk because nobody's really, you know, it's all kind of terrible. It's, but the idea is that they're just, you know, is it's very low entry and it's just saying screw the establishment and that's that's kind of what that's kind of what metal is it's just that metal is more is a lot more technical in how it's played and you know there's a lot of you know there's a lot more technical musicianship to it you know like death death growls like as much as to people say they sound like um like cookie monster basically and some of them do especially uh chris barnes from cannibal corpse uh, the original Cor- Cannibal Corpse singer, like, yeah, straight up Cookie Monster. 
but it takes a lot of work to do those vocals right because if you do them wrong you will mess up your vocal cords yeah like you know it, it it requires a lot of control and technique and like playing a guitar and doing those really fast riffs and you know and crazy killer solos it's like it takes a lot of talent yeah you know compared to punk where it's like they can just kind of do 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 it doesn't really you know yeah i think so for me like for music like when i think of the music i enjoy like and and listen to it on a regular basis i think music connects with this with deep within kind of some of the resonating kind of like uh, things that we struggle with, things we're passionate about. Uh-huh. So what about metal, horror, these sorts of things? What what about your story and kind of your history makes it so that that type of music just really kind of like resonates with your story? You know what I well, mean? Is, is there something specific that comes to mind? Is there... Well, there's a couple of factors. Well, for one, I'm, a, I'm an October Scorpio. Uh, three days before Halloween, the 28th of October... Um, so that already lends itself to liking the spooky shit and, you know, and part of it is, as I mentioned, my dad is, he was into, he's, he still is into heavy metal and horror movies and all that sort of stuff. And that was one way we connected. And it's just in general, I think it's, I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's something that kind of clicks with me and, you know, sometimes stuff just clicks with you and you know i'm i'm also autistic which that's it's kind of interesting seeing all the overlap between autistic people and queer people and you know it's like almost a it's like almost a circle that venn diagram (laughs) it's kind of funny but um uh you know with autism you kind of latch on to something and then you suck it dry as much as mm. possible until yeah. it stops giving you the dopamine and you know the the special interests if you will like you know i've kind of just lately it's been heavy metal heavy metal's probably the one that stuck with me the longest cuz i've been listening to it on and off since forever basically yeah. um you know and i do listen to other music but heavy metal is just what I love. And, you know, in, in, in the special interests come and go, they kind of rotate in and out. Like, I also like, like, DC comics and stuff. And, yeah. you know, so I'm, I'm not, like, just a metalhead. Right, like, right. metalheads are, you know, it, they're not a monolith. But not every metalhead is just, you know, a dumbass stoner like Beavis and Butthead or whatever. Like, a lot of them are really smart and have varied interests. I mean, Dave Mustaine from Megadeth is a certified martial artist in, like, several different disciplines. Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden uh, is a fencer and a pilot. Like, he Mm -hmm. literally used to fly their tour plane until they told him, eh, that's a little bit of an insurance liability. Like, if you crash the plane, like, we're kind of without a singer. And the last time we didn't have you as a singer, it didn't go well. And he's like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. So, so where'd your thirst for, like, uh, how did you develop? Because I've noticed that you definitely have, like, a, a passion or a thirst for, like, fighting legitimate unjust oppression so where did you kind of develop what where did that emotion from that come from and kind of your history your life where does that come from um i think it part of it is just um is i just i want to see things you know 
be done right or go right. And part of it is also, and part of it is just autism, which for a lot of autistic people is they're very dogmatic in what they believe in a way. It's like they have this very strong sense of justice, this very strong sense of what's right and what's wrong. And they kind of stick to that. Like they kind of stick to their guns. And I'm, I definitely kind of relate to that. And, you know, I like when I was a young, you know, when I was a young Christian that, kind of believed what my parents believed i was kind of you know like i think i tried to convert a friend to christianity and i got in trouble at school for it um and then as i got older you know my morals started to change i started to learn more like i went into church one day and they started telling me that the earth was only six thousand years old and dinosaur bones were planted by satan to test people's faith in god and that's kind of where i was like okay not telling everything the truth because at the same time i was learning evolution and in uh high school biology and i was like this actually makes a ton of sense compared to creationism like i mean i'm not saying that creationism couldn't have happened but like why couldn't god have just created evolution like i don't see how those are necessarily incompatible I'm intrigued by how, like, you know, we, we're definitely in totally different worldviews in some ways, but there's, you have kind of an openness to being wrong. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, there's an openness to, and I even sense in you, there's an openness to faith. There's an openness to God. There's an openness to these kinds of ideas. It's just, you're in a journey. You know, I'm on a journey. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to continue the dialogue. I think it's, I think it's fun. Even in the argument club that we have here, I just really love the conversation, the growth, the challenging each other, you know, you got pretty passionate yesterday and I just like to see that, mm-hmm. you know, whether I agree or don't agree, you know, you got passionate in the conversation. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You, you have passion, you have a passion for justice. You have a passion for people being treated well, mm-hmm. you know, and those are super important things. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I think we're going to close it up here just because we've been going over an hour. Okay. Um, but I think it's been awesome conversation. I want to really thank you for doing this. It took a lot of courage. We don't know each other super well. I mean, we've kind of been yeah. hanging out in the coffee area argument club style things for, what, three months now, two months maybe? Two months. Yeah, and we've had some good conversations. But, like, it took a lot of courage for you to be willing to do this, not really knowing me and not really yeah. knowing what I'm about and, or anything. And I'm and, not really a huge – I'm not really huge on, you know, on speaking and or public speaking or – you know, recording, like I used to hate my voice, although, you know, I've gotten a lot better, especially since transition is I get people telling me that I pass as female over the phone. Like I'll get people that are calling me and they're looking for my dead name. And then they'll be like, can we speak to dead name, please? And I'm like, uh, this is her. (laughs) Yeah. I think that, I mean, I think you're a very, I mean, I think you're a very good conversationalist. This has been a very easy conversation. You know what I mean? Like you answered the questions yeah, when, honestly. When, yeah, it's great. Once I really got into the flow of the conversation, it's a lot easier. But a, breaking that initial ice is probably the hardest part for me. Cool. All righty, folks. We're going to sign off here and call it a day. I'm looking forward to many more good conversations with Rachel in the coffee area or at Argument Club or wherever we happen to meet up again. But for now, we look forward to the next podcast where we'll settle another matter.